All those who are holding tickets outside will get in as fast as they can. I'm speaking not to you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm speaking to the crowd on the outside who seem to be standing rather reluctant to come in, and we're going to start this very soon. Welcome back to Worthy. My name is John. And I'm Ben. And today we are celebrating the summer and the box office season of the summer of 2022 with our Worthy Summer Review of 2022. And we wanted to make it a little extra special today by bringing on my right-hand lady, my co-pilot, the goose to my maverick, my lovely girlfriend, Miss Jacqueline. Jacqueline, say hello to the world. Hello, audience. Hey, Jackie. And today we are going through the top 10 of the box office of the summer. We're going to break down our kind of thoughts on the films, if we've seen them or if we have not. We obviously won't talk too much about them. And we're going to go through some of the biggest stories of the summer. Just to kind of give our feelings, you know, give a little catch up, do a little special episode that breaks up some of our regular worthy episodes. So it's the first year after the pandemic and the film industry is still in the wake of production delays and complete cancellations. Acquisitions, consolidations, and mergers fuel the ever-changing landscape of Hollywood and the motion picture business. With pushbacks and delays, the summer was left dry with some films even being pushed to streaming services instead of theaters. Jets, multiverses, and dinosaurs rule the summer box office, but what remains of movie going in 2022 and beyond? So I wanted to just jump off before we jump into all the top 10 of the summer and just talk about how is theater going, Ben? How is the movie industry? How do you feel off the top, Ben? How did summer 22 go for you in terms of uh, the movie going? Yeah, I'm going back to the movies has been a great experience. Uh, I was looking through my AMC A-list and I was like, wow, I felt like I've been to more movies than I have been, which I think just speaks to how good of an experience uh, I have been having of going to the theaters like summer was kind of top heavy i mean it was really like back in may and june where i feel like a lot of the heavy hitters were really coming out and so that july august month was a little slow but it was still it was still a good time good summer i mean the biggest story is obviously going to be top gun maverick but it uh yeah it was a great overall time but i'm really more looking forward to this oscar season because it feels like a very interesting race coming up we have some films that we'll get to towards the end of this episode Uh, that I definitely want to make mention of. But what about you, John and Jackie? How was the uh, summer box office for you? I agree. Yeah, I think the summer started off pretty hot with some bangerinos in the beginning, Um, but then it kind of cooled off in the past, like, let's say July and June. Um, It's gotten a little slower lately. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about what happened this summer, but also looking forward to more stuff coming out this fall. Yeah, I feel pretty similar. I mean, you're right, very much so with the beginning of the summer, just absolutely huge hits with Jurassic World Dominion and Doctor Strange and obviously Top Gun, which is just huge. And I think it really hit me in August where it was just so dead. And I, I think I saw someone doing a recap uh, about even back in 2019, I think it was nine films that released. New films were released in August. And this past August, there was two new films released, I think, in the entire month. So it definitely felt really slow in terms of the past couple months, the past six or seven weeks. And there are some, you know, some shining 
films in there that I think have been underrepresented, which we will get to for sure. But I think the best way to jump off into the summer of 2022 is by reviewing the box office of the summer. So we're going to start out from the 10th film, go all the way down and talk about that number one film of the summer. And starting out, number 10 is Bullet Train starring Brad Pitt. It's a Sony Pictures film. And this is actually Brad Pitt's 13th highest worldwide box office at $197 million. In terms of domestic, though, he is 10th in the summer. So I, I wanted to note that uh, this is a 13th highest for his worldwide box office. In terms of it being a very big action film from one of the creators of the John Wick series, with it being such a huge star behind it, I expected Bullet Train to be bigger than it was. And... I did enjoy the movie. I think it was a fun romp with a bunch of assassins and a nonstop comedy ride, more so of a comedy than it felt more so than uh, an action film. But I, I enjoyed it. What about you, Jackie? How do you feel about Bullet Train? I loved Bullet Train. I, I actually belly laughed while watching this movie. Um, and I can't remember the last time that I've done that in theaters. Um, and I actually just found out um, this week that it is originally a novel that was written um, back in 2013 or 2010. I think it was 2010. Um, and I had no idea. So to see this, you know, come to fruition as a film, I think it was really well done and it was a lot of fun to watch. How about you, Ben? Yeah, this is one that I was really uh, hyped for to go see. The and we'll get the trailers would be kind of a theme, I think, for me for the summer. But I was really hyped based off the trailer. And going to the movie, I had a good time. It was, it was kind of a lengthy movie. At least it felt like it because there are some parts to me that drag just slight, slightly. And I think that I didn't. There are some twists and turns that were fun. There were some that was like, oh, okay, like that wasn't like my favorite thing in the world. And then some jokes landed, some jokes didn't. So. It was, I wouldn't say it was like a disappointment, but I definitely, it didn't reach the expectation level that I thought it would. I really thought it had really good potential to be like this kind of culty, fun movie that everyone talks about, like from the summer, uh, for, you know, and I guess, I don't know like what happened with it, but it just wasn't like, it just didn't reach that level. Brad Pitt was really good. I loved Aaron Taylor Johnson in it. I thought he was the best part of the entire movie. And I love the Tom's the Tank Engine stuff, but also some of like those jokes got a little repetitive and um like even that uh that shushing uh the, the quiet car scene they weren't that quiet and like that could have uh <laughs> that like that teared on the edge of like okay this is a little ridiculous and it could have felt like more grounded but i still in- enjoyed myself with the film so i don't know how you guys feel about that so it wasn't my favorite thing in the world but i definitely still enjoyed myself while watching it yeah i think that ridiculousness kind of made it what was so fun um and enjoyable for me i kind of liked it yeah, I think it's it makes sense. It's at number 10. I think for some reason, our domestic audience here didn't completely jump aboard. I don't know what it is, if it's Brad Pitt or if it's truly just stars don't really sell a picture anymore. And it's really up to, you know, something a little bit more like a, a different uh, kind of selling point beyond just, you know, Brad Pitt's in this action movie. You need to go see it. It kind of came I thought out. It was, yeah, well, yeah. No, it just kind of came out like a weird time is the. You know, the middle of the summer, like it's that, like that time of the summer, a lot of people are away. A lot of people aren't around, you know, to regularly go to the movies. The summer was really hot. So a lot of people probably were trying to stay inside, especially like being in, in New York City. It was you know brutal. So I can see kind of like like even that weekend that it came out, I was with you and we were, you know, we were all hanging out with our friends. And it just I think like that has to do with it. I think like and we see a lot of time with movies that are 
Oscar contenders, they don't really come out in this August, September window. That's kind of like the, ooh, that's a movie that's not going to probably do so well. They kind of shoehorn it in there when no one's really paying sure. too much attention. Sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, just for clarification, the summer box office that we're going off of is from May to Labor Day. So you might see someone have maybe like a nine or 10 kind of switched or flip flop, depending on when they stop the summer box office. But we're officially stopping it on the weekend of Labor Day. And let's move on to number nine. The ninth highest grossing film of the summer domestically was a horror picture. It's The Black Phone from Universal. Now, The Black Phone was a film that we were both really looking forward to. I was very excited to go see it. Uh, in terms of just enjoying the film, I I thought there's a lot of things to kind of really praise in terms of the way it looked, the 70s aesthetic, a lot of the choices that they used to kind of show how this kind of world looked like, to kind of show you the killer's perspective in a weird, creepy way. I just wish the film was not only a little bit more scary. I think it leaned into being more of a thriller than an actual horror film. And I just kind of was left wanting a little bit more. It, it kind of ended in such a clean knit way and such a precise way to end the film that it kind of, it felt unearned to me in a way. It, it, but I think it shows a lot how well the film did at ninth and the overall domestic box office. That's pretty impressive for a horror film depending on whether you think Nope is a horror film or Jurassic World, Dominion is a horror film or Doctor Strange, this is, in my opinion, the only actual real horror film on the top 10 for the summer. Ben, what did you think about The Black Phone? Yeah, so I really just think that this is a great example of like how the, um, the movies being shown on streaming services at home can be a good thing because I felt like I had more people talk to me about it or mentioning like oh did you see this because they watched it at home because it was on peacock so and also ethan hawk gave a really good performance so it it had a lot of things going for it um and i think like it is surprising yeah to have like a horror movie or like a thriller like really do this well in a summer box office uh so i don't really have too much to add to it it was a it was a pretty good movie uh but yeah i think that this is where like i can be okay with times that people see movies at home because it can be successful, but it had a very extended run or long run in the theaters. This movie was a big disappointment for me. I am a, you know, true crime queen. I love murder mysteries or, you know, serial killer stories. And I consume a lot of that content and I was really excited about this one. And it was just a big flop for me. It was um, just not spooky. It was not creepy you know, it had maybe one or two jump scares, but other than that, it really missed the mark for me. And I, I really left the theaters wanting more and it just didn't do it for me. It's one of those films where I really loved basically most of the technical elements of it. You know, the performances I thought were really great. The, the kid actor was, was phenomenal. The girl in particular uh, was so great. I, I really loved her character and her performance in the film. I think she'll definitely be a star moving forward. And I think it definitely says a lot that this is number nine. I think people are craving horror. I think from this past weekend, if we we talk a little bit uh, of more more uh, recent films, uh, Barbarian, I think, is another big example of people really pushing for original new horror films and wanting to see more horror in general. And I think it's something that can really spark up interest at the box office. And I'm, I love what Ethan Hawke's doing. I love that he's leaning into these weird characters. I just wish there was just more from the film, really. 
Moving on to number eight, we have a Pixar film here from Walt Disney Studios. It's Lightyear. Lightyear is actually the ninth lowest Pixar box office domestically out of 26 feature films. Excuse me, that's that's actually not domestically. That is globally. And, you know, I really loved Lightyear, so it's a little bit of a, a of a sad note to kind of see that it is so low compared to most Pixar films. I think uh, the biggest issue for a lot of people is that they didn't really understand what the film was. I think that is kind of comes down to the marketing and and them just not pushing enough and kind of explaining to you what this film is. I think the first opening title card saying that this film is really just exactly what Andy experienced and saw as a kid. It, it kind of clearly shows that this is not another Toy Story film. And I think a lot of people just went in expecting to see a Toy Story film and have that sense of humor. And it was very much not, you know, very much a nod to like the 50s, 60s space era and the old classic sci-fi films of that era. Ben, did you get a chance to see Lightyear? And, and what did you think? Yeah, I, I saw Lightyear. Uh, I was very hyped for it because of the trailer. Again, really good trailer. And then I was just very disappointed. I did not really enjoy Lightyear too much. I was kind of, when the movie ended, I was like, all right, I'm ready to get out of here. Uh, I think that, I, one, that whole, like, oh, I didn't understand, like, what it was or, like, couldn't, like, wrap my head around the concept. That's that's tough if you can't wrap your head around that, that concept of what the movie is, quite honestly. And especially because they start out the movie saying it. And, you know, I... I think that's just like another like general thing about like audiences and stuff is that they, they want everything laid out for them. But then when it's like too simplified, they almost like don't, they can't like seem to get it. And I don't know. I, I it just, when I saw everyone's reactions to like complaining about that and hearing about that, it's like, why? Like, it's really simple. It's just about the movie Andy saw. And that's, and that's uh like, that's it. But in terms of the movie itself, it, it just didn't like hit any like the high notes that I expected to see in Pixar movies. I did not like the multiverse aspect that they kind of bring into it. And I don't know, maybe I'm a little too multiverse. Like it's been too much now and it's only been like what a year and a half. They, that really big franchises have started using a multiverse and already I'm kind of sick of it. Uh, so the fact that like it crept into a Pixar movie and then when you also think about it, like, okay, so in the 1990s, like Andy, there was like multiverses being talked about then. Like, I feel like that's, it just doesn't line up for the, that time. So it would have been like cool if like they kind of try to make it more 90s-esque. You know what I mean? If like that was more the, the plot of it, uh, but they didn't go for that this time. So I just, it, it kind of fell really flat for me. And I'm not surprised that it's so low compared to other Pixar movies. I actually like this one. Um, I thought it was cute. You know, it was just a little corny in some regards, but I think that's exactly what I expected. Um, I did shed a tear quietly while watching this uh, film, but, you know, it. I think people who didn't understand what it was going in, you needed to read the screen for the first title card that came up and then you could very easily figure out what this movie was and what it was not and I think people just come into Pixar films with a certain idea of what they want to see and then when it you know changes it up and is trying something new um, some people don't vibe with that also how Alrighty. disappointing is uh, the Emperor Zerg thing like he's such a great <laughs> character in Toy Story 2 and then it's like oh no that's just Buzz and he's older well, it's interesting that you say that because it's 
I mean, what they're doing in Toy Story 2 is fighting a toy, right? So it, it is opening such a big can of worms by, like, changing that character. But at the same time, like, does that change anything about Toy Story 2? I, to me, it doesn't. I, I, well, not at all. No, it doesn't. But, it, like, I think that's the kind of the cool thing that Toy Story did was it embraced the content in the world. Like, like the character of Woody, like, that was his whole conflict in Toy Story 2. He's like, oh, I have to be, like, the TV show version of me like that's what's expected of me and Mm -hmm. so when you have zerg who's you know just quite literally just a toy that comes out of a box who's just like a robot darth vader thing i kind of felt like oh like in the movie he would have been like a natural villain like they did the whole like oh no i'm your father type thing i think that would have been really funny of because then it would have tied in that universe now it felt kind of separate so i think that's where also it like disconnected for me a little bit too much yeah i think that's fair i think it just comes from if they played it straight like that, it would just be too simplistic of a story, maybe like too just it's just too simple to have just a stereotypical villain, I think, at this point. And maybe Disney feels that way because of Marvel, because of how many films are just based around good and evil from their catalogs and that they just think they need to, you know, mix it up and like have something that's a little bit more complex. And whether this is like an easy way to make it complex is just having it be the same character or just, you know, whether it's time travel or multiverses, like you said, there's many different explanations. But yeah, it is kind of like an easy, quick way to make a twist, right? Make I just want the villain who's just bad because he's bad. Which is totally fair. I'm, I'm right there with you. And I think we can move on to number seven where you could say that Jean Jacket from Nope is just bad because he's bad. Number seven, we have Nope by Jordan Peele which is actually, in terms of domestic box office, the lowest film from Jordan Peele with Get Out at $176 million, Us at $175 million, and then Nope coming in at $120 million from Universal. You know, just a quick summary on Nope. I absolutely adore this movie. It is a film that loves not only cinema, but it loves aliens. It loves the supernatural. It loves, you know, it loves people that love weird shit. You know, it's it's clear that this movie loves these weird outlying characters. It, it loves cinema and the way that it dives deep into, you know, the the production aspect of it and involving crew members and involving animal trainers and which is a very big part of history of Hollywood. So I think it's right up Ben and I's alley when it comes to just loving Hollywood and film. Ben, what did you think about Jordan Peele's Nope? Yeah, so I feel like I have to, you know, kind of compare it to Get Out and uh, Us. So. I kind of it would go ranked third for me out of those, but I still liked it. I would give it like a pretty solid like, you know, like B, you know, grading for it. And I think that, again, like I'm bringing up the trailer thing, the trailer like revealed so much that I wish it did in the first trailer for it. You were like, okay, it probably is an alien, but let's like kind of wait and see. And then that like last trailer that they started showing, it was like, oh uh it is like well you think it's a ufo but jean jacket's just the entire thing and i don't know that kind of like ruined it a little bit for me because then seeing the movie i was like oh that's that part that's that part and so like seeing it all happen and unfold i kind of like what should have been the really good parts and should have like really hit were kind of like oh but i saw that before in the trailer so i was kind of anticipating like that would happen but i still liked the like homage to cinema and like how it does you know does like kind of it praises you know aspects of filmmaking it does hit on the head uh about how to deal with animals and and the care 
that that should go into them and how we do exploit animals in film and exploit a lot of things in filmmaking, especially in content creation. And so I, I enjoyed it. The audience I saw it with were honestly, it was a bunch of assholes just would not stop talking. And it, so that was like really frustrating. And it, and I, and I didn't see it in IMAX. I saw it on just like a regular movie screen. They didn't fit it properly. So that was, you know, annoying too. So it, it was still like a fine movie, but I do wish like some of it wasn't revealed. I like, I really, really ruined it with that trailer, like to seeing the UFO and him like riding on the horse away from it. I agree. The trailer thing got to me too. Cause I feel like, I don't know. There was one trailer that was released that didn't show that much. And I was like, what the fuck is this movie? What is this going to be? And then the next trailer I saw of it basically showed way too much. Yeah. Um, and this movie was okay for me as if I'm looking at it as a standalone film, but when comparing it to Jordan Peele's other work, um, it's in solid third place for me. Alrighty. Moving on to number six, we have Baz Luhrmann's epic biopic, Elvis coming from Warner Brothers at 149 million. Ben, what did you think of Baz Luhrmann's Elvis? I I absolutely loved it, and I think like this uh, this is going to be a movie that's going to be an Oscar contention. Uh, Austin Butler was definitely the highlight of the entire movie, and I it it feels like the Oscar could be going to him, but also I know Brandon Fraser and the Whale. A lot of praise going for there. So that seems like the the race that's going to be, which will be great because we have two actors that one that's very new to the scene. And we have one who's been around for a very long time and just hasn't been taken seriously. Now they're so we're going to have this cool new like Oscar race. It's going to feel a little fresh. And I so I really enjoyed it. I love the editing, the design. I think this is going to get like a ton of like technical like nominations will it win. I mean, that's up for debate, but you know, costume, makeup. I mean, it's going to get a lot of that. I mean, cinematography, maybe, but I kind of doubt it. But it has all the other aspects that make it fun and it Baz Luhrmann's kind of twist and take on it. Um, the edit, Yeah, the editing on this is great, too. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Elvis. I thought it was a fun time. And I, now it's on HBO Max. And now everybody's seeing it uh, who didn't go see it in the theaters. And it seems to be getting a, a pretty good reception. So uh, I have high hopes for it uh, come award season. I really enjoyed this movie. I am a huge Elvis fan. Um, so this was a kind of movie that I felt you need to see in theaters just to get that whole experience. Um, so I feel like people who are just watching it on demand are kind of missing out a little bit. Um, but I thought this movie was a great time and it was just fun to watch. Um, visually, it was stunning. And Austin Butler is a daddy. <laughs> Austin Butler was phenomenal as Elvis in Elvis. I really loved it. We, Jack and I, went to go see this in Dolby, which I think really added to the overall performance of the film. It oh, was yeah. a booming soundtrack. And I mean, I haven't seen all of Baz Luhrmann's work, but I just love the energy that he brings. It's nonstop. It's it's pretty out, out there and outrageous. And I think it's perfect for someone as flamboyant as Elvis is, is and, and was. And I think it also shows that Americans still love a good biopic. They still love Elvis and they still love seeing history just kind of unfolded in front of them, especially when it comes to these big artists. I think people just really love eating up a biopic. It's it's easy to recognize and just kind of know what you're going in for. You kind of know the general notes of the story. You just kind of want to see the, the gritty details of it. And uh, I don't think we've talked too much about Tom Hanks in this film. I think he also has 
maybe a chance of getting a best supporting actor here as well for the creepy villain in this movie. I'm forgetting his name, but I really, really enjoyed his performance, even though it was very uh, obviously just covered in, in tons of makeup. He looked very bizarre, yeah. but, you know, that's the character. That's kind of the look they're going for. I think it makes sense with how just villainous he was. So I really just enjoyed just a different role for him. You know, he's played America's dad for such a long time. I'm I'm ready for the villain turn from Tom Hanks. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. Yeah, he, he really knocked out knocked out of the park as a uh, colonel parker it was kind of a good yeah it was like a goofy performance but it, it worked well and uh i yeah i think it i again like i think this movie is gonna hold a lot of water come oscar season so we'll see what happens moving on to number five if you're wondering where the mcu was here we are in the top five coming at number five is thor love and thunder from walt disney studios at a 340 million dollars thor love and thunder outgrossed its more beloved predecessor thor ragnarok on the domestic front at around 315 million dollars so one i wanted to first note that people really love thor ragnarok i think the general consensus is thor ragnarok and the third thor film is still the best for a lot of people i would probably agree with that but i really enjoyed Thor Love and Thunder. I thought it was a fun little romp at the movie. I think it is exactly what its name was. It was filled with love, filled with thunder and and a bunch of laughs. You know, while it wasn't my favorite Thor movie, I think it was a little too just jam-packed and I wish it took itself a little bit more seriously when it came to just really the level of drama and specifically with and we've already spoiled so many of the movies here, but specifically with Jane Foster's character, I thought they could have taken her and 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 handled it with a little bit more care and grace. And I know you love Natalie Portman, Ben, but tell me, what did you think of Thor Love and Thunder? Yeah, so I was uh, obviously very hyped uh, for this movie to be coming out because I do love Natalie Portman so much. But this one was a very well-documented COVID movie. This was made in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, you know, I remember seeing the stories about Natalie Portman having to go down to Australia or New Zealand rather. And just like all the effort she had to go through and just, uh, and that was like, must've been the summer of 2020 middle, you know, middle of the pandemic when really when I was starting. So you can kind of tell like some of that was in this movie. It felt like there could have been more. And from also from what I've heard, they cut out a lot of stuff that they filmed and this movie, what it clocked in like an hour and 59 minutes. And, I know some of the criticism of Marvel movies. Oh, it's they're too long. They're two and a half hours. This movie could have used an extra 20 minutes. And I think it would have added more. I wish they had done more with, uh, with Christian Bale's character as Gore, the God butcher. Like he, he was really good, but I felt like there wasn't enough. And I didn't really love the, his whole, like the ending to it. Like, I don't know. It just wasn't enough. I wish I had seen, I guess, more God butchering and, and more of the battles than what we got. And I just, I think Taika is like, I think he, his comedy went just a little, it was a little too much. Like the, the goats thing was funny at first, but then it happened like five to 10 more times. And that's where I was just like, all right, this is too repetitive. The whole like Guardians of the Galaxy aspect, they should have like really kept that in. I thought there was a lot of interesting things they could have done with that. And they kind of were just like, yeah, here's the Guardians. And now they're gone. So they had like a lot of like really good opportunities, I think, for this movie, and it just didn't really pan out. It was it was a pretty solid movie, but I I would have I was I had higher hopes, and uh, I still enjoyed it, but I think it could have been a better movie there. 
I agree. I didn't have too much to add to what you guys just said, but I really like the Guns N' Roses uh, soundtrack throughout the movie. That was a big plus for me. But other than that, it was a, a good movie. It was fun. Also sad at times. Um, but yeah, I'm not a huge MCU gal, so... Yeah, it's my goal to to kind of watch them all with her. And that's actually not even my goal. You've actually specifically said we need to. Yeah, I'm trying to, uh, you know, start from the beginning of the MCU timeline and and work my way through slowly. So maybe I'll have a greater appreciation for this movie. I mean, um, as you're going through the Marvel timeline, do you like it so far? We haven't started yet. So oh, you oh you haven't that. started. I've I've seen most of them here and there, yeah, in pieces, but never actually in the, you know, timeline order or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I go to all the Marvel movies, and I think this is the appropriate time to like talk about the stuff. And it, I think the Marvel movies have brought a lot of great things, but I'm I'm fatigued by it. There is so much, and I, if there is maybe just one coming out every year you know then it'll be fine but now we have the tv shows and they announce like the next phases and it's just like man they're they're still going through with this and it feels like it, it just feels like overkill at a certain times but then some of the movies are good but it's also been a stretch where they haven't been so great and you know thor i think brought it back up a little bit for like thinking of it like a you know a, like a graph kind of like a line graph going up and down like it was going down for a little bit but this like peaked started to reach some levels but didn't really complete it for me and uh it just i, I you know the, all the superhero stuff it's great but it's also not great you know it's a du- very fine double-edged sword and right now it's kind of teetering towards the not so great for me and it's been kind of like that for a while honestly yeah, I think those are all fair criticisms. You know, I think it they're adding tons of money and revenue to the film industry. I love that. I love superheroes. So I'm going to be there for every single one just simply because I love the Marvel Universe and I love these characters. And it's like truly awe-inspiring to see them bring them to life. But I totally feel that way. I, I totally understand why you feel that way and, and why it feels kind of so oversaturated. I think that really comes from the TV landscape and how it's kind of really hard to really get away from Marvel at times. I think if we were just talking about Marvel without all the TV shows, we'd be like, yeah, like I remember Dr. Strange. Clearly I don't have to think about the Miss Marvel or She-Hulk and all these other shows and think about how they connect and it all webs together. It's becoming very complicated. So that's why I think for me personally, I'm like, I want more movies that have less to do with each other. I just want more original takes. Just take a certain genre of film and just like run with it. If the character works and and you can blend it all seamlessly, I'm down. I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah, and like these movies all hit the same beats at the same exact time throughout their movie throughout their runtime, and it's just it, it's just starting to to like be like a, like the problem that I have and. Uh, with just original thought in film like yeah there's original there's some original ideas but a lot of this is based off the comic books which is fine but again like it kind of does it just doesn't like reach the satisfaction that you know that we get from like watching the old movies and that's just because there's a lot more dramas that would come out throughout the year and a lot of these actors that are in these marvel movies get their time gets taken up by so much of the production that they're not really doing other projects and so it doesn't feel like the focus of like, you know, I know it's just one studio, but then it kind of has this butterfly effect where we get and it's great. We got everything everywhere all at once. But that took such heavy inspiration from the Marvel movies, 
using the multiverse, using the action to kind of tell a story. And I just wonder when are we going to be able to calm down from this? Like we got to have action, got to be like big flashy things and we can kind of ground ourselves into more serious dramas. And that's just kind of my old soul kind of seeping out right there. Absolutely. Yeah. And let's move on to number four. And that is The Minions, The Rise of Gru from Universal at $360 million domestically. TikTok trends of young moviegoers wearing suits in groups to see Minions in theaters was a huge thing for this film. You know, it's a, it's one of the weirdest things that I think have, has come to the film industry this year. I think not even just this summer. The fact that this became a cultural phenomenon is I think only credited to just minions as a meme. I think just these weird green banana loving characters have become people's like favorite thing to, to make fun of, to, to, to make fun of anything really. I think they're just such a bizarre, weird character that like, you don't even need to know any sort of link language. You don't need to be any sort of age to understand what kind of humor that we're going for here. I think it was just kind of, fascinating that this got so many young people to go out and even if it was just for a bit just to even for a film a tiktok the amount of people that were buying tickets just to go see this movie i think is is pretty pretty interesting whether it's good or not i I know a lot of people talked about how this kind of ruined their uh just time out with their family you know they're just trying to take their kids to go see a fun family movie and then it got filled with these you know tween tiktokers who are just yelling and screaming at the screen so there's definitely a lot of good and a lot of bad that comes out of this ben what do you think about this weird tiktok trend and if you got to see minions the rise of grew what did you think are these the same parents who bring their kids to movies so that they don't have to babysit and the kids just run around screaming like little assholes because <laughs> that's kind of my issue with it and honestly like so what if people are showing up wearing suits and having a good time with it? People go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show and dress up. I know it's like a very extreme example, but it's like some movies, they have these kind of like followings to it where just embrace it. Like if people are going to the movies just to wear suits and have fun while watching it, sorry that like that you took your kid and like they're part of a cultural thing. Like don't take him to the movie, take him to something else, take him to freaking Jurassic World, you know, because that. I don't know. But like to me, like the I didn't see the movie because I really had no interest in it, but I was totally okay with the TikTok trend. And I think that anything to get people to go back to the movies, make it a community thing is phenomenal. And all the uh, boomers who are bitching, complaining can go back to their little boomer holes and just shut up. Agreed. Absolutely agreed with that. Yeah, I thought it was cute. I mean, I liked seeing all the memes coming out of it, all the little videos of, you know, even like high schoolers I saw with their friends, you know, getting dressed up and painted up and going. It just made it fun. I I didn't see it. I would like to see it um, just as a fun little thing to sit down and watch. It's easy on the mind. Yeah, I mean, it's it is a weird thing where as long as they're not completely disrupting the movie, you know, I'm for it. I think a lot of people just poo-poo the movie theaters because they went once and they had a bad experience or they think that every single time they go someone's going to be on their phone someone's going to be yelling and screaming or, or you know whatever it may be and I think that is such a small minority of, of moviegoers and you know I think it happens a lot during summer more so than than other times just because people are not in school they have more time and and they just are simply probably trying to just hook up with a guy or girl that's in a movie theater so 
there is a mix of kind of emotions here for me because as long as they're not really disrupting it but i really don't think that many people are i think it was just a fun little bit that they could do some people probably didn't even stay and to me i don't care if you watch the movie as long as you're paying to get in and you're you're fueling the industry here and even if we're fueling some ridiculous franchise like the minions i don't care i just want theaters to exist i want people to still go out and i want everyone to just you know love movies and continue to go see movies and speaking of loving movies and or having bad experiences at movies, let's go to number three, and that is Jurassic World Dominion from Universal as well at $375 million. So I'll go into a little goofy little story here. Uh, Jackie and a couple other people of uh, our friends of ours uh, were excited. I love the Jurassic Park franchise, you know. While Jurassic World's not my favorite, I think what they were trying is, is an interesting new take and kind of expanding it from just California, Walt Disney to huge Walt Disney World in, in Florida. I think it's an interesting idea. I don't think I really loved Jurassic World or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, but I think they're kind of hated on a little bit too much for me. But in terms of Jurassic World Dominion, I was excited just to see another Jurassic movie, you know, just another movie with some of the old characters coming back. Like there's a lot of potential you can just do. And I love Jurassic Park. It's still my favorite. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I was so excited to watch this. And we're sitting down. I have my popcorn, my sodium already. And the movie just starts. And I knew immediately something was wrong. Looking at the screen, everything's completely blurry. And you're like, oh, OK, they just need to focus the projector or something like that. They were playing the 3D version of Jurassic World Dominion in Adobe showing in New York. And this is the 34th Street New York Theater. This is a huge, huge theater that is has tons of business coming to. And they were completely playing the wrong film. And this was went through all the trailers. It was completely fine. It wasn't until the film started playing that everything was a mess. Everything was in 3D. The whole opening montage was being played in 3D. Finally, people are leaving, causing a huge mess. It was almost a completely sold out theater. People were so pissed. And the manager of the Regal comes in and he's like, I'm so sorry, guys. Like the movie is not in 3D. And he's saying this all while the movie is behind him playing in 3D. Like it's it's too late at this point for him to say that it will not be played in 3D. Even the opening title card comes up and it's still in 3D. It's not until we're in a couple more minutes after that where they physically focus the screen and then tell us that it's going to be fine the rest of the movie. So at that point, I was so annoyed and angry that I, we just left. You got my refunds, got the money back, and we just left. I didn't completely dis, dis, uh, disarm the entire franchise or this whole film. We went back, we watched it, and it was awful. I think this is the, the worst Jurassic Park film out of any of them. I haven't even seen the animated show on Netflix, but I imagine that has to be better than this movie. I truly hated this film. Almost everything about it was was pretty <laughs> pretty offensive to me. I think just what they did with the original characters was just so pathetic. It was so low effort. It was like they were really trying to emulate what Marvel does with their their quips and their just rapid pace editing and it was just ugly as well. You know, I think the original Jurassic Park is one of the most like beautiful films that uses a mixture of CGI and practical effects and you know, on and on and on with how great that film looks. And this film was just, it was just an absolute mess in terms of the story, in terms of what they were trying to do. They're like jamming new characters in an absolute mess. 
overall, if we're looking in terms of box office, Jurassic World comes at one, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is at two, and then we have Jurassic World Dominion at number three. So it's still getting a lot of people out. A lot of people are going to the theaters. It's still drumming up a lot of interest. But for me, this was by far the worst Jurassic Park, Jurassic World film in the entire series. Ben, did you get a chance to watch Jurassic World Dominion? And if so, what did you think? Yeah, so I actually watched this the other day. Well, I half watched it, I should say, because <laughs> roommate had it on and I was, you know, we were watch casually watching, I was doing like other things and I it was just so boring. It was bad. I honestly like anything after the original Jurassic Park movie has just been meh to me. And I just I don't really love the Jurassic Park franchise, I think, as much as other people do. And uh, yeah, this movie just it was like, let's just go to, to 20 different places and not establish anything. And let's just have all these random scenes and all these random characters and bring this person back. And da, da, da. it just didn't work. Obviously, people go to see it because Jurassic Park and everybody you know loves the original. And they, you know, everyone loves dinosaurs. But this was pretty it was pretty bad, pretty pathetic, honestly, to me. But it got people into the movie theater. So I don't know. Maybe I'm the one in the wrong here. No, absolutely not. This movie was a flop and a half for me. I don't really care for the Jurassic um, World movies, whatever, Jurassic Park movies. Um, but this movie made me lose respect for Chris Pratt as an actor. So fucking corny, bad, and the writing could have been done by my third grade students. Absolute fire from Miss Jacqueline over here. You know, I, I, like I said, I ranted about how much I hated this movie. There's so many reasons why I hate this movie in terms of just disrespecting the original cast. But I really think the most frustrating thing about this film is Universal, which is crazy because we were just praising how we loved this trend of TikTok. But Universal marketed this film as this big like end of the world thing you know we've been waiting for these dinosaurs to break out we had fallen kingdom happen and it sets up a third film in this trilogy to be this huge apocalyptic end of the world dinosaurs are everywhere they're in theme parks they're at the circus they're literally at at your campgrounds they're literally everywhere and what does this film do it completely says no that's not actually what this movie's about we're just going to take you back to another facility and lock our characters in with dinosaurs in a facility again. It's like, okay, so literally every other film that we've seen so far, you're just going to do it again? Okay, but then why did you lie to me? Why did your trailer specifically say that this is going to be different, that this is going to be open world, that this is going to be nonstop around globing trotting experience? I and mean, it wasn't. It was just a straight-up lie by the marketing, a lie of a complete disrespect to its fan base. I couldn't be more frustrated and annoyed because of this film. And it's so disappointing because if this film was even like half decent or somewhat enjoyable, I would have at least gone to see it another time just because it's it's dinosaurs. It got the original cast. You know, I loved Jurassic Park and it made me so, so freaking sad. Alrighty, moving on to the second highest summer box office film and that is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness from Disney Studios. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is the eighth highest MCU film domestically but still sits 400 million dollars lower than Avengers Endgame which is obviously the number one film. So 
this has been a mixed bag, I think, for a lot of people. I really respect this film just purely as Sam Raimi. I love a lot of his films. I love his style. I love just how out there he goes. And we do get some of that in terms of, you know, the Wanda chase scene. I love Wanda as a character as well. And I really love WandaVision, the show. So I was very excited moving forward into this. Unfortunately, it wasn't everything that I wanted. It was not enough madness in the multiverse of madness. I wish it kind of went a little bit further out there. It got a little bit crazier it makes perfect sense why it's number two. You know, this was, had such a big hype behind it. It's coming off from Spider-Man. It's coming off from WandaVision. Wanda's grown as such a big character. But I really loved the original Doctor Strange and and how it kind of went so trippy and so beyond and and so just out there in terms of its visuals. And this film just, it, it didn't. It, it felt very sloppy in terms of its CGI in a lot of the moments, which is not really MCU's, you know, that's not really something you see very often from the MCU. So it was a little of a letdown for me personally. But Ben, what did you think about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? Yeah, it was the Multiverse of Poop, honestly. Like, I just, <laughs> it just, it was not, it was not that good a movie. I, I want, yeah, you said it perfectly, wanted more madness. There wasn't enough madness. It got spoiled again because everyone figured out it was Patrick Stewart's voice, which, why well, even reveal that? Because then you hype up so many people for like, oh my god, like what can they do? And then the biggest thing was John Krasinski, who it's great. John Krasinski's great, but it just like so what? Like it just who cared? Almost after a certain point, and it just I again like I thought it would be way crazier. It was a big letdown. I the Wanda being the villain thing still kind of doesn't work perfectly for me. Like I feel like this could have gone like way bigger we could have gotten like the whole kang aspect they were setting up and now we're gonna get kang and ant-man kang should have been a doctor strange kind of like introduction or continuation from the loki shows so i'm actually kind of surprised that this stayed at number two because it was at number one for a long time this came out at the beginning of may and it, so the fact that it stayed uh i don't know i guess maybe everyone was so hyped about it and then they didn't want to go see thor because it just didn't reach up to that much to the hype and the level of expectations I think people had for it. So it, uh, it wasn't my favorite thing by any stretch. I like Thor more and I like the original Dr. Strange. It tried to do some things I think worked, but it, it could have been way more than it was. I like this one. If I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I've ever seen the original Dr. Strange, don't come for me, Podians. Um, but this movie was fun for me and I, I like the, you know, clash of the worlds with Wanda. Cause I really like Wanda. Um, this movie kind of inspired me to possibly dress as her for Halloween. I just think she's such a bad bitch and she's fun to watch. Um, but for me, it, this movie was less about Dr. Strange character than it was about Wanda than it was for, um, America Chavez character. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it and I feel like it's opening a lot of new doors that I'm excited about. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah, really it's... like America Chavez. I didn't like that character too much. And I felt like they kind of shot their load with Wanda as the villain. Like they, a Kang could have like, there could have been something where like maybe this movie Wanda was helping Doctor Strange and then Kang kind of just like, well, I can get you to a different multiverse where like you do have kids type of thing. I can like do this. And that could, she could have became like the right hand person to a Kang thing. Like that could have been a whole other aspect they added to it. But. I don't know. It just yeah. it 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 was it, it it's fine. 
is what it is. Uh, just what mm-hmm. I was way too hyped for it. I think. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think everyone was just so excited for this movie, and I think it really showcases the best of the MCU and the worst of MCU. Just thinking that they need to not only just constantly surprise fans and give them what they want and, and which is multiverse and with these different takes on these characters and bringing back characters and dream casting, you know, that's all fine and great. But if it's like directly hurting the story that you're trying to tell, then I think you need to, you kind of need to push that aside and focus on what is the story you're trying to tell and, and what, how are these characters changing? I, I don't think Dr. Strange really has a very clear arc from beginning and, and and to the end of that film and i think that's because there's just too many things going on like we just don't really need america chavez i think she was a really interesting visual visual character the way she kind of booms through other uh, multiverses with her like star power it's it's beautiful to look at but if you take her out of this film entirely and just like give dr strange these abilities because of a stone because he just is very powerful. I don't think it really changes the film at all, which sucks because this character and this actress definitely deserves more. And I think the movie just gets just too bogged down in, in the Marvel cinematic universe. It it's a movie that's like a sequel to WandaVision It's a sequel to the Spider-Man movie. It's a sequel to Dr. Strange and all while trying to introduce new characters and organization. It's just too much like strip it all down. Remember why Iron Man's so good. Cause it's simple and you just care about this character and just, move from there you know to explore the character and, and their highs and lows Alrighty, let's move on to the number one film of the domestic summer box office and that goes to the one and only mr cruz for top gun maverick top gun maverick is tom cruise highest grossing film of all time and passed the one billion dollar mark at the global box office Top Gun also surpasses Paramount's highest grossing film of all time, Titanic, which grossed $600 million at the box office during its initial release and held the number one spot in Paramount's lineup for 25 years. And a really fun little tidbit that I found is that Paramount has not topped the summer, the summer box office since 2009 with Transformers' Revenge of the Fallen at $400 million. So not only have we seen over the past, over a a little bit more than a decade, we've seen how much the box office has grown in terms of the $700 that Top Gun's earned domestically, and we just see how much Paramount has kind of dominated the box office this year. It's it's been really phenomenal, and I want to jump off with Top Gun because I think there's a lot to say about the actual movie itself, but I want to jump off and just talk about why this movie is so successful? Why is it so popular? Why do Americans in particular just love Top Gun Maverick? Ben, do you have anything? Do you do you, do you see a nugget in the air of why people love this movie so much? I think it, well, it definitely played into the nostalgia factor of the original one. And it does just enough where it seems different and it seems new and original, but it still pays homage to the original in many ways. And there's plenty of time that happened in between the movies. What, like 40 years? Is that 30 years that in between the movies? Uh, you know, somewhere between there. Yeah. So there's enough time that passed where it's like, oh, yeah, we love Top Gun. We love how this all looks. And the, the stunts, the way they shot the movie, I think everyone knowing that the actors had to film it themselves while flying the jets themselves was like, Oh my God, now I really have to see this. And it was like a cool new, like, you know, it didn't like 
break ground in terms of cinematography, but did some really cool things with cinematography and, and approach to filmmaking. So I think that could have been a reason why for it. Um, and I, I think just people really enjoy a good, you know, military movie. John, you asked why did this movie pop off? Um, and I have two words, Miles Teller. He is amazing in this movie. I mean, I've been a fan of him for a long time, but it was really nice to see him in kind of a more serious movie um, as a lead character. And he was just fantastic. And I think he brought a lot of life to this franchise. And his abs. He's got beautiful abs. He's got beautiful abs. It, he's, he's interesting because he's a, an actor that has is, is been around now for like probably over a decade. And he he's just done if, uh, some films here and there that I think people kind of remember him for. But specifically I, I, I this is a shame that i'm blanking on this name the drum drumming film whiplash. by uh Dam- yes thank you whiplash by damien chazelle which i i mean it's an amazing performance it's absolutely worthy of a uh, best actor nom and and uh, even for that film entirely it's it's quite wonderful but miles teller is he's an interesting guy and it's kind of it's, it's exciting to see where his career can kind of go from here especially how much love he's gotten off of top gun but i've been thinking about that question that i posed a lot and I think there's a couple things to it. And I think this film has, it's so popular and I don't think it's really because people love Top Gun that much. I think Top Gun, the original, is one of those films that has kind of stayed in the in the, the zeitgeist of pop culture. And it's not because the film itself, I think it's just the general feel. It's like this weird, like sexy feel to it. I think it became a film for a lot of young women and and young men at the time to really like fawn over these men. And even the word Top Gun has become something larger than the film itself. It's it's we almost like talk about that phrase as describing certain people or or even the sunglasses being, oh, those are Top Gun sunglasses. Like it's gone so far beyond just it is a film and i think a lot of people don't even remember what the film is or what the film was because the original is is very slow it's not really that like engaging in terms of what you would expect from a modern audience so i don't really think it's people fawning over what this film was i think it's just kind of a name that they know so that immediately helps and then what i really think this is is that america in particular has been so fucking political everything in America recently has been so politicized and it's been right or blue. You you're on the left or you're on the right. There's no in between. And this film is like the least political war film you'll ever see. They, they you only know you're talking about a bunch of Americans and they all have disagreements, but it's not really in particular about like one side or the other. They're all trying to get to this kind of final goal. They're all trying to do this mission successfully. And I think this film is just so satisfying in a way that people can just watch it and it's almost like a, a dream fantasy, not for just you want to fantasize about flying jets, but you can fantasize about like people just getting along, that we can have these conversations, that we can all work together and just achieve something. And I think that's what Americans have always loved about America is that we're all so different and we can still kind of work together to build something, to build up, to, to move forward. And this is just a film that I think you carry that name. You have Tom Cruise that people know. You have the kind of iconography of what Top Gun is. It's about jets. It's going to have the abs. It's going to have the beach scene. It's going to have the sunglasses. But it's just so satisfying in a way. I think not only because it's so well made with the amazing action sequences, but it's just what I think Americans want right now, which is just like 
working together. Just let's accomplish this mission. Let's everyone needs to just stop fighting and we need to push forward and we just need to, you know, succeed as a country and as a nation. So it, it is such a weird kind of film because it is so simple. And you're like, why is this making 700 million in just America alone? When you compare that to Dr. Strange, which is an MCU movie, it's the franchise that's dominating the film industry. And that's almost $300 million lower than, than Top Gun here. So, you know, Ben, do you have any, any final thoughts here for Top Gun Maverick? So I was looking at Miles Teller as you were talking about it. Just so I was like, oh, like how many movies has he even been in? And he's been in 20 movies in total since 2010, which is a lot. But the gap between Top Gun and then his last movie was five years. So which is kind of shocking, like that he had a five year gap and he was still, you know, in he was still like relevant. I know like he was working on Top Gun like during the time like this movie was worked on before the pandemic at time so uh yeah so i thought that was like fascinating to see i think that this movie is going it's going to be interesting to see because as great and as much praise as you gave it and i think you hit it pretty well uh come oscar time this is going to be interesting if it does get in or not and how people will react if it is not nominated for a best picture yeah award so uh yeah it was, it was a good movie it was really it was a lot of fun the won't get fooled again scene was really great. It has all the suspense that I think you could ask for and great visuals. So it does that definitely deserves to be the box office king of the summer. I think another big reason too is just how absolutely massive of an audience that was over 50 uh, or 40 i forget this specific stat but it just it brought out an audience that is just not going to see films and and that's like the 40 and up audience who just is happy staying at home there's a lot of people that just don't want to go through the process of going out buying tickets and then having the whole family with, the, with the, all the food costs and everything being so high but there's something about this movie that really it's not going to be the same when you watch it at home. And I think a lot of people knew that. And a lot of people recognized that when they saw it for the first time. And it's just a film where there's obviously a lot of tension. There's stakes that are happening, but it's just a fun time. You know, it doesn't bring in any bullshit that you want to deal with. It's so far removed from your day to day life. And it's just a fun time at the movies. And I, it's just as straight cut as that. It's not tied into anything else. Like you have the original film that it's tied to, but it's really not tied to that. You know, you can watch this film without any context of the original and it still plays perfectly. So I, there's so much to Top Gun Maverick and it's it's fascinating to see it just blown up so much. It's also noteworthy to mention that Jonathan and I saw this movie in 4D, which was quite an interesting experience. You get strapped in like you're going on a roller coaster ride. And I mean, the action in this movie, I had whiplash by the end of it. Um, There was like water shooting out at us at one point. I mean, several points in time, like my pants were fully soaking wet. And um, it it definitely added to the impact of this movie because that's the one and only time I've seen this movie is was in 4D. It was extremely intense. Um, But I don't think you need that full experience. But if you do see in theaters, it does help. Absolutely. And I think that also added to the box office quite a bit. I think people saw that these premium formats, it was changing the experience. And I think 4D is continuing to grow for the film industry. 
And yeah, I'm excited to see how we kind of utilize it in the future. I think it's great for certain films and Top Gun Maverick was a, a perfect example of that. Thank you for bringing that up, Jackie. And let's move on from the top 10 box office of the summer to some big stories. You know, we're not going to go too deep into these stories. We're not a new show, but I want to just mention a couple of things because I think they're interesting about the industry in general and some are related to the Oscars as well. So I want to just jump off. A tricky topic. We're not going to go too deep into it, but I wanted to talk about Ezra Miller and the situation that they find themselves in. And to sum it up, if you haven't heard, Ezra Miller is The Flash in the upcoming Warner Brothers uh, Flash film, Flashpoint. And it's a tricky situation because it involves a lot of different things. I think there's mental health issues here. There's uh, even claims of kidnapping and like child abuse. There's a lot going on, but essentially... Ezra Miller is the lead of a huge, huge franchise film. The reports of The Flash being almost $300 million budget. Uh, it, what's so interesting about this situation is that you have the star of a film who's not only in the film once, but he's playing two different characters. So he's physically or they're physically in, in the film two separate times, making them almost impossible to, con- to to remove from a film. So really my question is, is, is what, what do we do about the Ezra Miller situation? How do people go to see the flash with this actor who's just caused so much mayhem in the news? What do we do? Should they recast Ezra Miller for the flash? Should they just not release the flash altogether, even though it costs so much money? Ben, what are your thoughts about the Ezra Miller situation? Just, just release it. Everybody, there's the amount of controversy that goes on in so many other movies people are just going to go see it. I mean, I'm not saying I'm advocating for Ezra Miller or whatever, but I mean, we, we talked about this when we were recording our West side story episode, like Ansel Elgort, like they just totally got away with like an entire controversy because they waited it out. So I don't know. I don't really don't think there's really a right answer to this. Just release the movie. DC is flailing as is. So it, there's really like not any hope for me that's like, oh, this movie's gonna save DC films. If anything, it's just gonna be like, oh, here's another convoluted DC film that doesn't really know what it's trying to do and it kind of just creates more chaos than anything else. So the public side of it is just unfortunately it is what it is because we've allowed it to be, because we've allowed so many other actors to kind of get away with their shit. It just happens that this has just been a very public manic thing that's been going on so i really don't know to what else you could really make of it yeah it's 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 truly a mess of a situation i mean the fact that it's such a big film and it's crazier too because it was supposed to be a film that's going to carry the dc universe that the warner brothers has built and and kind of continue it forward while changing things and readjusting things and the saddest part is that i've heard rumors of this film being quite good too so that's just even more disappointing the fact that it's just involved with such ridiculous drama and, and it's quite a mess of a situation. Uh, Jackie doesn't have much to, to hit on here, so we'll continue and move forward to another Warner Brothers story because of the recent acquisi- acquisition from Discovery. And, and Discovery and, and Warner Brothers are merging together all under one brand and, and one streaming service eventually uh, under uh, Zasloff, who is the new CEO of Discovery. And due to his new reign as the king of Discovery and Warner Brothers, he axed a Warner Brothers film that is also a DC film, and that is Batgirl. 
And what's so interesting about this is that he canceled Batgirl and for what they're saying is that it's not up to their standards and uh, they're doing it specifically for a tax break as well. It seems like Zasloff wants to refocus their entire structure and, and, and DC universe and to be something that's a little more clear cut and, and high quality. I think what comes down to this particular topic is that for me personally, it's it's very wrong to, to really cancel a film like this overall. I think there's so many people that have spent time, effort, and now not only are you canceling their work from ever being seen, whether it's even released online on a streaming service or VOD, you're completely removing any option for anyone to ever see this film and see someone's work. And it, it obviously varies for who you are if you're just some random like gaffer on this film. You know, that sucks that you don't get to see your work, but you're, you're paid and you're moving on to another film. But there's other people that are huge stars like, you know, that are this was their breakout opportunity to be in this film. You know, was it, whether, whether it is Grace, who is the uh, or I'm, I'm blanking on Batgirl's name in particular, but uh, is it Leslie Grace? I forget what her name is, but she's this was a huge moment for her, right? This is a big opportunity for her, and that's that's such a shitty thing for it to happen and for them to cancel a film that like that overall. So I hope one day we see Batgirl. But Ben, do you have any thoughts about this uh, Batgirl situation? Yeah, it's really more just like a Discover, you know, Warner Brothers thing. They, I don't know who, whoever really is in charge and why they're making these decisions. They're just making awful decisions in general, and uh, it's unfortunate that this had to get or was axed and. I just it it brings me down so much because it it just there's so much I guess more we that there could have been with like other projects that they were focusing on and I have no idea like what like it again it, it just adds to the fuel of like that DC content is like not great to make unless it's just Batman you know uh, and he, so even Batgirl doesn't even survive that so I'm just not I don't know it, it's unfortunate but it's hard to really make sense of it because we didn't get like a trailer didn't really get much else from it just yet yeah yeah it is it's just shitty on on so many levels like to deem the film as being just not up to their standards as well i think is just i was straight right like a blatant lie you know the film wasn't even done yet so there were so many scenes that were like still yet i mean the directors have even come out and said that they weren't even done shooting there was reshoots that were planned to do and that's just a very common thing for films to go through and even the MCU builds in time specifically for reshoots. So it's clear that this film, it's clear that Zaslav, who's taking over Warner Brothers with Discovery, is he wants to start anew. He's tired of seeing these projects that have already been greenlit and, and they're already through the process. And he wants to move on and, and kind of erase this from existence. But what what a waste of money. I think it really comes down to is what an absolute waste of money to spend that much money on on a piece of art that a lot of people spent so many hours trying to kind of build and create something good here. And they kind of really just brought it down and destroyed it. So at the very least, I think an easy online streaming release, it just doesn't hurt anybody. Obviously you spent the money, but what can you do? And moving on, we're going to just hit one quick other story here. And that was a, a kind of almost a non-story. It recently came out that Chris Rock declined hosting this year or 2023's Oscars and who could blame them? 
Uh, you know, and that's exactly what I think of right away. Why the hell would Chris Rock do this? It doesn't help him at all. It doesn't help push his his platform anymore. All it does is kind of stick him right back where he was a year ago. This only benefits the Academy. And it's it makes perfect sense why they would reach out to Chris Rock to host the Oscars. Right. Like it's they want to drop as much pos- uh, publicity and they want people talking about the Oscars and they want people to watch the show. And what's going to do that if you don't just bring up the controversy again? So, Ben, what do you think about Chris Rock hosting again and him declining? It It's just trying to get some kind of drama. It's just a TV thing. It, the producers of the Oscars were like, oh, man, like, how can we get more attention, more eyes on this? Let's have the whole Chris Rock thing. And I'm happy it's just not going to happen because I'm still annoyed by what happened <laughs> in general. Uh, at the last Oscar ceremony, so it's just it's just time to move on. It was a very stupid thing, and it I know how public it was, but let's just move on from it. I agree. Yeah, good for him for removing himself from the shit show, um, and not feeding into the bullshit that's just going to get them more numbers and not benefit him whatsoever. Alrighty, and we're going to move to the third and final part of our show here today, and that's just a, a quick little summary of some of the films that we've maybe mentioned before and some that we want to hit on a little bit more. So first, I want to talk about the biggest surprise of the summer, and I'll start, and we talked about it a lot, and that is Top Gun Maverick for me. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Cruz's work. I love his Mission Impossible series. He's doing great jobs there. And he kind of mixed that kind of formula directly into the Top Gun formula or what was the formula just from one film alone. And he made something that I think is it just really hit home, like like I said, for Americans. And it just was a great, great, great action film. And who doesn't want to see a great action film done very well and where the stakes are extremely high and you just your heart is racing throughout the entire film. But Ben, what is your biggest surprise of the summer? Yeah, my biggest surprise was also Top Gun. I I didn't think that it was going to be as popular as it was, but I was very surprised and I really enjoyed myself with it. And I think that talking about the Oscars, the very first Best Picture winner was Wings. And that was about, you know, pilots and flying and had crazy cinematography at the time because they stuck the cameras on the the planes and they were shooting the dogfight. So it's very it's very reminiscent of that for me. And I think that like, it's a spectacle that everybody was very attracted to. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was very surprising to me that it was so as good as it was. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we got it, you know, my biggest surprise was Bullet Train. This movie was just a lot of fun for me. I had no idea what to expect going in. Um, and it was just a fun ride from start to end. I also just love stories where there are multiple plots interwoven. Um, and it's like, why are the, all these people in one room? Why are they all fit together? Um, and then slowly you kind of build that puzzle of how they fit together. And I just think it was really interesting and fun to watch. I totally agree with you there, Jackie. And let's move on to the biggest disappointment of the summer. And I went with Netflix, The Gray Man. I, you know, it's hard to say that 
you how could you not be excited for this film? You have the Russo brothers. They've come off the Avengers. It's the biggest movie of all time. They did such a great job with, you know, forming what we know as the MCU now. They did such a great job just showing action throughout every film that they made in the MCU. So why wouldn't I be excited for Netflix's most expensive movie of all time starring two of the biggest actors out right now, Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, and one of the biggest female stars, Anna Darmus. Like this movie was just perfectly set up for me to love. And it was atrocious. This movie, an action film should never be boring. And this movie is so boring throughout the entire film. The action is lazy. It's boring. There's nothing really new here to offer. And so is the story. The story is predictable, dull, and just frankly uninteresting. And, you know, at least they could have made it visually interesting with some of these fight scenes. But you can see they spent the money, but it's just not much is there. You know, it's we're staring at a, a very dull gray man is how I feel about the gray man. Ben, what do you think was really the biggest disappointment of the summer? Uh, I, I said it before when we were talking about it, but Lightyear, I just, it, I was hyped for it. I thought it was going to be a fun time. I thought it was an interesting take and uh, I thought it would be, you know, this like Pixar movie that brings us, you know, cause everyone loves Toy Story. So I thought it would like really capture the imaginations and it just was not what I wanted. So I don't really want to say more about it cause we, we talked about it before, but yeah, but, but going to the great man as well, like that was just disappointing as well it fell into the jurassic world thing where just let's just go to 20 different locations and just do this and do that and it it just doesn't work and um i don't know i don't know what that really says about maybe it says something about the russo brothers maybe it says something about what people think is good people just want to have so much going on and so much happening and maybe you should ground yourself maybe you should you know not have so much visually going on Yeah, originally I was going to say that Jurassic was my biggest disappointment, but I retracted that because I did not have any expectations for the movie. I did not, uh, you know, expect too much there. So my biggest disappointment of the summer was the black phone. Again, like I said, I am a huge consumer of, you know, spooky content, true crime content, and this movie was just a huge miss for me. Um, You know, the setting of the movie in the 70s, you know, it's prime content, prime possibilities for, you know, serial killer slash, you know, creepy guy snatching young boys off the street. Um, and it just led up to a big fat nothing for me. And it was very disappointing. Yeah, I was quite disappointed in that movie. Not that degree, but yeah, I wish it was just better, especially with just, you know, who we had behind the camera and who was in front of the camera with uh, Ethan Hawke killing that lead performance. I just wish we knew more about his damn character. Okay. And all I will say about the black phone is that if you're going to leave his character being so unknown the way they do in that film, then don't kill him. Okay. Don't kill him. And if they bring him back for another movie, it won't make any sense, but they could because the movie did so well, but just give me more then. just give me more about, about this character. Let's move on to another topic here, which is the favorite film of the summer. I will start off. I didn't talk too much about Nope because I wanted to save it. You guys both said this is his worst film or your least favorite of Jordan Peele. This is my favorite Jordan Peele film. I think it is phenomenal. I think it shows he's grown as a director. It's not as one note as Get Out is. 
you know, Get Out is an amazing film. It's very well executed. It's so well written to even be able to write a film about race relations in that way and and make it like schlocky and about horror and about, you know, body horror, essentially, I think is is phenomenal. It's amazing. But Nope is just a, a movie that was like meant for me. I, I absolutely love the weird paranormal. I don't really like I would always dream about meeting an alien you know it's always something I I would always uh, love and also terrified for it to happen to me but this is just an awesome original take on aliens and to have it reduced down to this huge creature that they call jean jacket and and have it explored through the language of, of not only filmmaking but these this brother and their sister and, and such original characters and and such an original unique character that uh, Kalula plays and he's just this quiet brooding almost cowboy like character which I think is very intentional and definitely not for everyone which I totally get he's a very like stern quiet man but I think that's where this movie has magic and the quiet moments of him just looking into the clouds looking out there for it and I think this movie has a lot to say about the entertainment industry. I think it has a lot to say just about what people call quote content these days. I think people just pick things up, chew it out, spit it out, and just move on to the next thing without really thinking about what they even watched. And I think Nope does a lot to not only kind of talk and, and expand on that feeling, uh, but it also talks about spectacle and animal. There's just so much to this movie, and I think it's a lot deeper than even a lot of people think, and I just absolutely loved it. I mean, I even talked about the technical elements, which is how beautiful this movie looks, the the night for day, just the, the amazing, or the day for night aspect of it, and the amazing cinematography. I, I absolutely loved, loved Nope. But Ben, what is your favorite film of the summer? So I will say I had kind of a tough time picking one, uh, because nothing really like jumped out to me. But I really did like Bodies, 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 which was towards the end of the summer. And it was just another like really fun A24 movie. It had the horror or the, really the thriller aspects of it that I really enjoyed. I didn't really know what the movie would be about. So again, like the trailer didn't ruin any of that for me. So watching the movie, I was really into it, really trying to figure out what the mystery was. And then when you find out the mystery, I think that makes it even better thinking about what happens the entire movie. So I was really i was really into it i came out of it like all right like that was fun i would definitely like to see more from from that director from the actresses that were in it so it was a very fun time i you know i can't really say enough positive things about it but definitely go see bodies 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 it it was a really fun time yeah i definitely need to see that movie i have not seen it yet have you seen it john no i still haven't seen it that's a movie that uh a24 just let me down they they did release that movie in theaters for like what was maybe three four weeks and i mean like we talked about august has been so dead i wanted to see it in theaters but it's gone it's nowhere near i don't live in the city anymore so i'd have less available options but i will get to that as soon as they let it on vod all right well let me know when you watch it for sure. My favorite of the summer was Elvis. I just had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I've, you know, loved Elvis ever since I was a little kid with my grandfather. You know, that was our thing. So I think I just had a lot of emotional attachment to this movie and it did not disappoint. I absolutely loved Elvis as well. And we have a little bit left here. All I want to do is is open the floor a little bit. Uh, if there's any films that kind of we didn't mention that aren't in the top 10 that didn't really hit any of these categories that came in at around the summertime, is there any film that kind of 
jumped out to you this summer, Ben, that we didn't get to hit on that you would like to talk a little bit about? Well, we can't talk about it, but Clerks 3. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't talk about it because I haven't seen you it haven't yet. You haven't seen it yet. And which... I, it, is it a summer movie? Maybe not, but I got to go see it on Kevin Smith's convenience tour the other day, and I was, you know, it just hit, it tickled my Kevin Smith fancy, so I don't want to spoil any more of it, but I would love to talk more about that with John, and I know I will. Uh, other movies, there's not, there's really not too much. It, it's been a weird year of movies, quite honestly. Like, we, uh, well, maybe a little bit spoiler of like what we're going to get to like, oh, well, when's best picture for us? I really, I, you know, I, the best movie of the year so far is still the Batman to me. So I I don't know. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah, baby. Like, I really don't know of any other movie that's like better than that that came out this year. That movie, like, so there's, it's been a weird year, but I know we're about to enter the Oscar season. So stuff will start to pop out, but it wasn't like last year. Last year we had so like, when we were doing this episode last year, I was talking about Green Knight and how much I loved that. Talking about Zola and how I was really into that movie. So it's 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 a very weird year, and I think this is also because a lot of these movies were COVID movies. These movies were made in the yeah. 2020 or you know early 2021. So there it, there's kind of just this gap right now. I mean, hopefully we're gonna get back to it, but yeah, it's uh, there's not really too much. I think that we have to talk about it like i'm really excited for because i just have to wait for the oscar movies to come out yeah and they they're definitely coming the only thing that really jumped out to me is uh, i know you didn't enjoy crimes of the future that much but cronenberg is back baby i loved it i think it's one of my favorite cronenberg films maybe ever and i think that's kind of crazy for a lot of people it's he's a very uh crazy wild filmmaker and i really just loved how sweet crimes of the future is this movie about body uh, mutilation and and really disgusting physical attributes that people have but making it really about a love story about two people i thought was really really amazing another film that i wanted to just quickly mention is fall it came out this summer basically had almost zero press almost zero advertising essentially the log line is two women climb a old radio tower and get stuck at the top of this 2000 foot tower. And I love a good movie that is just a very specific plot. You're stuck in one location. And I thought they did a hell of a job of making this look really realistic. It really felt like they were so high up in the air. I don't think I've been so anxious and uncomfortable in movie theater since fall, maybe ever. It may, may be my most like uncomfortable movie viewing experience ever, whether that's good or bad, I think is up to the viewer, but I'm, I'm looking for any sort of feeling when I go to the movies. So good or bad, I'm, I'm having a good time. Uh, the last thing I want to mention and another film that I want to mention is another fuck you to Disney because they didn't release Prey in theaters. Prey is the second best Predator movie after the original. It is phenomenal. It looks beautiful. It was shot beautiful with some great performances and some very unknown actors that are there. Some first time actors. And just a hell of a Predator movie. This is exactly what us fans of Predator have always wanted. You know, just take this new character and let him go against a new threat. And I loved it. The fact that I couldn't see this in the movie theaters was a crime. A crime against theater goers. Alrighty. Before we finish this summer review of the box office and the summer films, I wanted to just throw it out there. Open up the question. What will win Best Picture right now? Obviously, we haven't seen a ton of movies. The Academy and the award season is coming, and we'll certainly be covering that here at Worthy. 
But Ben, I just want to throw that out. What do you think right now, not just the films that we watch, but the films that are coming, what will win the best picture this year? Yeah, so I am going with movies that I have not seen and no one has seen yet because I think that the best picture winner has not come out yet. So unfortunately, Batman won't win and Top Gun Maverick won't win. Potential nominations, though, but they won't win. So I'm choosing between three movies. I'm uh, going to just cast a big net. So I'm saying Babylon, which is the new Damien Chazelle movie. The Fablemans, which is the Spielberg movie, which the trailer just came out for it. I don't know if you've seen the trailer yet, John. That trailer literally seems like it's just about Steven Spielberg's growing up and his it seems very personal and this is and so the next movie this is the movie that i actually feel the most confident and i and i say that because i think babylon and the fablemans as it seems like these they're going to be like homages to to filmmaking and and old hollywood and babylon and you know i think that it's going to have like a lot of appeal but i think blonde there's something about this marilyn monroe movie that's coming out that I think is going to be surprising. It got a 14 minute standing ovation for whatever that's worth at the Venice film festival. And I would just not be so shocked if because, you know, we get this, you know, biopic about a, probably the most iconic old Hollywood actress, probably just actress in general, Marilyn Monroe, her tragedy gets supposed to get very dark, very revealing. Uh, you know, I, it's like it's nc-17 rated so i think that i i just would not be shocked if uh we're talking about blonde as the next best picture winner so throwing it out there i'm gonna put my weight behind it now and that's before even seeing the movie i just won't be shocked if that is what happens yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing that movie um i think my current best picture um, prediction is the Bob's Burger movie. No, I'm just kidding. I just really like that movie. And I'm rewatching the show for like the fourth time right now. Um, I don't know. I don't really, I don't know. It's hard for me to predict for a movie I have not seen yet. So just going based off what I have seen so far, I really liked everything everywhere all at once. I thought it was really original. And um, if you haven't seen it, you should go see it because it was a hell of a good time to watch. Yeah, what an amazing film, and it really should be nominated for many, many things. You know, Best Actress and even Best Supporting Actor, I would even go far as saying, and definitely Best Picture. Will it get any of those nominations? Maybe one, Best Actress. But speaking of Blonde, I think she's almost a lock for Best Actress. I'm, I'm going that far and saying that she wins the Best Actress Award this year for Blonde. I don't think that movie has a chance in hell winning Best Picture, and I think it's specifically because of one reason. And, and I haven't seen the film yet. Obviously, it just premiered at, uh, I think, Venice Film Festival. But I heard the film has very little dialogue at all. I heard it's a very kind of artsy, just like uh, kind of almost like a carousel of, of images from her life, like trying to best capture who this woman was by just showing moments and 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 uh, just kind of spurts of life that she had throughout her career and what the ups and downs kind of defined her and yeah boohoo i just think it's going to be way too out there for a lot of people and i think that even includes a lot of the academy members as well i think it's just going to be it's going to be too weird i'm just predicting it now it's going to be too out there but you know who makes films that are right in line with the academy awards and that is damien chazelle one of my favorite filmmakers, I think maybe one of the best filmmakers working today, and his new film Babylon, starring Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, 
It's got huge names, Tobey Maguire, huge names in it. It's all about old Hollywood. It's all about, supposedly, it's not about real actors and actresses in terms of the character names have all been changed. But supposedly, the insider look is that these are all based on uh, characters like Greta Garbo or, or characters that we've seen throughout Worthy's history. And, you know, the Academy loves a good film that honors Hollywood that honors movie making in general. I think there's there's definitely a big possibility. But like you said, the Fablemans is kind of also that it's a love letter to films and and cinema. And uh, we also have the Empire of the Empire of Light. I think it's what it's called, uh, which is another film that is also kind of about cinema and, and loving film. So this is one of those years I think we're gearing up for award season where. A lot of these movies are very much in line with just what people love about cinema. And, and the Academy loves that. And yes, The Empire of Light is directed by Sam Mendes. I think that's going to be another uh, Best Picture nominee and another possibility uh, for winning Best Picture this year. So that is our worthy summer review of 2022. Ben, before we leave here and say goodbye to our lovely summer folks and the lovely season of summer is there anything else that you would like to add or hit on? Uh, maybe anything that's coming else uh, coming out later this year? Anything you want to talk about? Uh, no, I, I think that, again, like I kind of have to wait and see how the award season does fall out. We're, we're about to get into my favorite part of the year, so I'm very excited. We're also going to see some cool, I think, horror suspense coming out as well. So I'm very interested for that. Um, I think I just want to take the last you know, couple seconds to say, Fuck trailers. Trailers ruin everything about movies nowadays. <laughs> I think that we should have very just minimalistic things. I think we should just go into movie theaters. They should just say, hey, on September you know, 10th, they're going to come out with this. And that's it. And that's all you get to know. And you don't know anything about the plot or anything else. Just say, like, hey, here's going to be the movie. And that's it. Because trailers and all these movies ruin everything. So that's my little rant. Stop showing trailers. That's a little extreme. I will say that. I don't want I, uh, no more trailers. <laughs> I uh, that we need them somewhat. So I, I agree to a point, to a degree. That's for sure. I, I definitely get why you would say that. Especially you pinpointing all the films that have kind of misled you, and I, I felt misled definitely when it comes to Jurassic World Dominion. I am still, still freaking hurting from that pain. But I think that's a that's a great way to kind of uh, cap off on 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 the particular episode here. But I want to say. A wonderful thank you to my beautiful girlfriend here, Jackie, who's hopped on her first ever ever podcast in general, not just our worthy episode here. I'm, I'm so thankful she's here to join us as well. And she has been my co-pilot for a lot of movie watching over the past five years. So I just want to give a big shout out and let Miss Jacqueline finish the podcast here for us. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks, guys, for having me. And um, everybody go follow Worthy Podcast on Instagram. Anything else, fellas? Thanks for listening. This is Worthy. And with that, this is John and Ben, and this is Worthy. Thanks for listening to Worthy, the breakdown of every Best Picture winner from past to present. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Worthy Podcast, on Twitter at Worthy Pod, and on Facebook at Worthy Podcast. Any inquiries can be submitted to worthysubmissions at gmail.com. That's worthysubmissions at gmail.com.